Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in the beautiful Studio C. That's right, Studio C, with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here in Studio C. It is great to be here in Studio C. Nothing can stop us. So welcome to Christians with Torah. I'm very excited to have you here. If this is your first time listening, we here at Christians with Torah are just fighting the good fight of faith, showing people that the Torah is nothing to be afraid of, that it's loving instructions and some stories. That's right. right. Uh, From an awesome father to his children. Amen. And so that's uh, what we're trying to do here. So we're going to be studying the Torah portion today, Devarim. Before I jump into that, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, I want you guys to like, subscribe, share, do all of that good stuff, ring the bell. That way you get our notifications when we put up new videos and all that stuff. Um, And share it with your friends. It really helps us. If you're listening on audio, if you're on the Apple podcast app, you can uh, review the podcast there, and I would really appreciate you doing that. Five stars or two stars, whatever. I mean, just write something, you know, tell us what you think. It really doesn't matter. All of it lets people know that we're here, and that's, that's right. good. Uh, as far as current events, uh, we are finishing up the three weeks of affliction as we speak. Last week. Yes, it will be culminating with the 9th of Av, which uh, ends on uh, Sunday, July 18th at sundown. And so we will be finishing the three weeks of affliction at that point. Um, That's for the time of Tammuz 17, Golden Calf Incident, Walls Breached in Jerusalem. Yep. To, of course, the Ninth of Av, which is, of course, the destruction of both temples. That's right. That's what the Jews call it. That's right. So and it's a cautionary time, reflection time. It is definitely a cautionary and reflection time. Keep your antennas up. Be ready uh, for anything. Um, That's right. Uh, other current events, August 2nd, we're very excited to welcome Jeremy Gimpel. Uh, if I can, I'm going to snag him for a podcast, but he will definitely be, be here nice. on Monday night to That's speak right. to us. Uh, and so we will live stream that event, I believe. Hopefully, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I will tell you this, he is an awesome, awesome man. Uh, Orthodox I s- Jew from Israel. He is. I would say that uh, if you don't know who he is, look him up. Um, listen to some of his podcasts, it's like the Land of Israel Network. Um, but at the very least, check him out on Monday night, August 2nd, where he will be here at Beit Tehillah with us. And then uh, last but not least on my little announcements here, my little notes, is August 8th begins the month of Elul and the season of Teshuvah. In the evening, yes. The season of return, Teshuvah. return and repentance. And to get our hearts ready Teshuvah. for the fall feasts, here at Beit Tehillah, we always do a Daniel fast for and 21 it'll days. it'll take us all the way through uh, the Day of Atonement, Teshuvah. That's correct. So 40 days. 21 days for the Daniel fast, 40 days for Teshuvah. That's right. 40 days of returning to God. So let's jump into the Torah portion. What do you say? Sure. So Are you ready to jump into the Torah portion? I'm ready to jump into the Torah portion right now. It is Devarim. It's an, it means it's, words. It means words. And it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's found in Deuteronomy, chapter 1, 1, Deuteronomy, 1 through 3, Book of Remembrance. So I got to do a little outline real quick here. Yes, a little survey. Yes. A little survey real quick yeah. here. Uh, we know the book of Leviticus is broken up into, of course, uh, two parts. Book of Numbers is three parts. Deuteronomy is four parts. Four parts to the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Remembrance. Chapters one through four are remembrances of the past. We're going to hit that today. Uh, chapter four, verse 44, all the way through chapter 26 are commandments for the present. Uh, part two. Uh, part three is options affecting the future will be found in chapters 27 through 30. And then, of course, parting words of Moses, chapters 31 through 34. There's just, well, I guess there's five key words found in the book of Deuteronomy. Five key words are to remember, obey, blessing, curse, and covenant. So there you have it. So basically, that is the overview the old testament's jensen survey of that 
giving us some information. So we're going to jump right into Israel at Horeb in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We're going to kick it off with a reading. All right. Let's read it. Verses 1 through 8, you said? That's it. 1 through 8. All right. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazarot and Disahab. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. After he had slain Sion, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt in Ashtaroth, in Idrei, on this side Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south and by the seaside to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto, the, uh, unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them and to their seed after them. So God wants to give the land to his children. It says right bum, here, Behold, bum, I have set the land before you. Actually, in the Hebrew, it says, I have given it to you. Yeah. Give it to you. So what was the time frame for the beginning of Deuteronomy? So this is happening in the 40th year in the 11th month on the first day of the month. So they leave Exodus in Egypt, and it goes 39 years, 11 and months, said and a day. said 40 years you'll be in the wilderness. That's right. So when they go into the land of Israel yes, with... Joshua as their leader, right? the Ephraimite, it will be the 41st year. So this is the first year after their punishment. Yeah. Right. So year 41. Uh, in Deuteronomy one thirteen, it says, Take you wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. Yeah. So leadership is so important. It is. You know, the first person you lead is, is yourself. yourself. That's right. So leadership is very, very, very important. You know, it's interesting, even though they had dropped the ball and messed up and were going to be in the wilderness for 40 years and they were just boo-hooing and crying. They said, well, we, we, we want forgiveness. Please forgive us. We're, we, we meant well. We, we get it now. Well, they said, well, we're going we're gonna to go take the land. Yeah. We're going to make amends for it. They knew to even have a leader for that, but God would not be with them and they got their butts kicked. Yeah. Moses says, we're not going. And the Ark of the Covenant is not going. Mm. And then they go anyways. So anyway, uh, it's very important that we have men in leadership today with integrity and character. Oh, I agree. Because uh, there's a lot of charlatans, a lot of cult of personality, a lot of narcissists out there. Well, and to go into the land, you want to have good leadership. I do have a couple uh, quick notes about what we just read, right? Uh, I noticed a few key things. The first one being that when Moses spoke these words, he spoke them to some of Israel. Part of Israel? All of Israel. All Israel. So I thought that was interesting. I really like the fact that it was all Israel uh, because anyone that is a believer in Yeshua becomes grafted into Israel. And now all of a sudden, Moses makes it clear. I'm talking to those that are here and those that are not here in another section, right? He's speaking to all Israel. That means you. And this is actually written by the words of a man who's going to go be with the Lord. That's right. These are like the last words of a dying man. So there wasn't a lot of time that's going to take place between now and going to the promised land. So Deuteronomy is quite compact and, and quite quick. That's right. As far as a book goes. Uh, and of course, it says here that uh, how were the captains divided among the people? Uh, in thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So remember, you might be in a little congregation of 10. Yeah. You still have to have a leader. You know, I had a guy that called me one time, was having such a hard time and couldn't keep his group together. And I said, well, you know, have you established a leader? He says, well, no. I mean, I was facilitating it, but no, we didn't. Well, I said, well, there's your first problem. The second problem was they didn't have an outline on what they wanted to accomplish by meeting together. Yeah. So, so to make a long story short, if you say, I facilitate, I'm the leader, 
here's the outline, then people know who the leader is and what's going to happen to that Torah study or that right. Bible study. Because people will come in and try to take over or discuss other things or, you know, hijack it or whatever. Sure. And so if you have a leader and you have an itinerary or an outline, it helps to eliminate a lot of confusion. I agree. I agree. Um, one last note was this. I noticed that it says Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And to give to them and to their seed after them. But what is he giving to them? He's giving to them, it says all the way here, right? It says the place is nigh there unto. So we're talking about Moab. It's talking about the land of the Canaanites. That's all of modern day Israel. Lebanon, which is north of Israel, right? Unto the great river, uh, the river Euphrates, all the way over past Jordan, all East. the way east over uh, north of Saudi Arabia and, and even possibly wow. part of Saudi Arabia. And it says he's giving all that land to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their seed after them. And we know who the seed of Abraham well, is. Well, if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. Exactly right. Moses was in charge of hearing the difficult cases among the people, which is really cool, you know. You didn't have to do everything. You got to delegate. We have, I think, 29 people in leadership at Beit oh, yeah. About 29 people. Of the original adults who left Egypt, only Caleb and the son of Jephunneh, Judah, and Joshua, the son of Nun, Ephraim, were allowed to go into the land. So Joshua actually experienced Egypt, the wilderness, and he gets to go into the promised land along with Caleb. Uh, that's a picture of the two houses, Judah and Ephraim. Yeah. You're right there. Uh, so Ephraim um, is the new leader. So that it's, means it's, over those 40 years, they buried at least 603,000 people. Oh, yeah. At least. The, the men of war, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. So Moses what, was not allowed to go into the land of promise. You know, I got a chance to go to Mount Nebo and, and overlook what he got to overlook, and I just kind of cried because I'm like, I got to go into the land. Yeah. But, of course, Moses showed up at the Mount of Transfiguration with Yeshua, so he found a way to get into the land, or at least yeah. above it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something to think about. Very yeah. interesting. Uh, the little ones among the children of Israel were allowed to enter the land of promise. Amen. I'm always telling my kids, who wants to go to Israel? And they all, oh, me, 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 you know. So Hadassah, my daughter, it's her turn next. Three boys have been. So Hadassah's turn is next. And maybe she'll be going for Passover this next year. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. What do you think, when it says Moses was in charge of hearing the difficult cases among the people, what do you think constitutes a difficult case? Like, you have the, the leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, right? So what was something that the tens or the fifties or the hundreds or thousands well, let's couldn't look handle? At, let's look at it like this. Maybe one lack of experience, or maybe they were ignorant in the area that they needed to solve the problem. Mm. Or maybe they haven't really been told about how to handle that situation. You know, because if you go back and look, remember they had situations, and Moses says, let me take this to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Lord says, stone them. <laughs> maybe that's not what you want to hear if Ruh -ruh. you're on the opposite end of that yeah yeah but i'm just saying that i think in, in every situation I, i'm in situations where i have to pray lord this is what i think i should do and this is what i'm going to do yeah and the lord's like you're not going to do that you're going to do this yeah yeah i was thinking about i was like you know cases of established law right kind of like precedent or something that's written very clearly in the torah didn't really need to get escalated to Moses, I would say that it's yeah. things where maybe it's not addressed in the Torah, or maybe it's not clear, or there's a gray area between two things. We're like, well, yeah, this happened, but then there was this caveat to it, right? And there needs yeah. to be some sort of a, I mean, you know, ruling. I've got Pastor Tifa and Timothy coming alongside with the leadership, and if the leadership has problems, they go to them, yeah, and they try to resolve them or help them. But if not, they'll come to me, or we'll figure something out. But it hasn't come to that. Yeah, and they do a great job. Excellent job. So what happened to the children of Israel when they went presumptuously up into the land? They got their butts kicked. Uh, it says the Amorites came against them and chased them like bees, and they destroyed them in Seir and even unto Hormah. So in regards to the land or anything that's of God that you want to attribute to God, make sure that it's God. Yes. That's what I would say. You know, Don't just say, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to live in the land. And just force your way in or something. Yeah, you take your marching orders from the Lord. It'll never work. You know, yeah. you, the land will spit you out or whatever. So we have to do it his way. Um, the, the discussion here is, uh, the, the point that we want to discuss is, why is it important to have delegated leaders and obedience to God's plan in the last days? Mm, like yeah, even see. today. See, this movement lacks, I think, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. And I think it lacks good leadership. Yeah. I think it does. I think the last days is the key to that question. 
Um, you know, there needs to be a sense of urgency about the things of God and the things that we're doing because the time very well could be short. Now, we don't know the exact day or the hour, but we know that the signs and the seasons are showing us that the time is coming uh, quickly. And so the thing that we got in, in my group last night, and uh, I believe Erica Joy is the one that mentioned this, uh, people will do whatever is right in their own eyes, right, if leadership that has bought into the vision isn't delegated, right? So you got to think that it's not good enough just to say, all right, you're a leader, you're a leader, you're a leader, right? We're choosing people with specific qualifications, and I would say one of those major qualifications, other than being of good character, because... You know, when they were talking about this in, um, with Jethro and Moses, when they were first talking about how to appoint these people that are you know, don't take bribes and all that, uh, was that also they need to be bought into the vision. They need to be going in the same direction. Right. Because if this leader is taking this group and leading them over here, and this leader is taking them over here, they're not following the main leader division, at that point, yeah. right? It's division. It's die. We call it the Moses model. Some people are against it, that it should be run by a bunch of elders, but I think that's confusion. That'll be a tough road. It's, it's almost like you're turning something into like a parliament. Yeah. Like a coalition, like a, you know, we need a filibuster. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I mean, there's, um, and I don't know where, where they actually get it from. I know that, you know, people have come up with some, some scriptural ways to look at it. I just don't think that there's a right or a wrong way. Um, I think that submission to the Lord and putting Jesus as the head and whatever process that looks like, that's the process that I want to be involved yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because um, when you have the set man of the house, everything can flow, you know, and it, it, it works out really, really good. Yeah. Because it's the pastor's job or even the senior pastor to pull out the gifts out of the people. Sure. Get them plugged in. Get them plugged in. Get them. Get them involved. You know, I love that that the leadership can have their own creativity, their own style. You know, so it's not so dogmatic. But we're going to jump into the journey in the wilderness, Deuteronomy chapter two, verses one through nine. I'm going to read those nine verses, and then I'm going to hand it over to Ryan. Ooh. So then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me. And we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. And command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they shall be afraid of you. Take you good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land, no, not so much as a footbreadth. Because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. I kind of find it interesting. He says right here, uh, not so much as a footbreadth, like his footprint. Yeah, yeah. The, the footprints of God. So ye shall buy meat of them for money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water of them for money that you may drink. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all thy works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And when we passed by from our brethren, the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, through the way of the plain from Elath and from Ezion Geber, we turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said unto me, distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle. For I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given R unto the children of Lot for a possession. Wow. Interesting. That's the daughters of Lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan. Modern acres of Jordan today, the Dead Sea area. The Moabites came from Lot. Yes, they did. Yeah, absolutely. It's Um, all yours. So who were the children of Israel to avoid and not fight, as you mentioned? The children of Esau, which were the Edomites... Lot, which were the Moabites, and of course, Lot again, the Ammonites. Right, Ammon. Right. So Ammonites. the the children of um, of Lot and the children of Esau. Uh, you know, you remember back in Genesis these stories, but yet here we are in Deuteronomy. You know, years and years later, what five hundred years later, uh, and yeah. and we're talking about the descendants of the other groups that are not part of that promised seed of Isaac. Right? Interesting. It is interesting, but that God, remember, he's keeping his promise here. Because remember, if he doesn't keep his promise to Esau, and he doesn't keep his promise to Lot, what what chance is there that he's going to keep his promise to Isaac and to, you know... And Good to point. Ishmael? You know, I want to say this. 
there's a big thing now, even among a lot of the Jews in Israel, that there's a lot of debate about Israel to some degree, but they're basically saying, listen, if you come to our country, which is a Jewish state, sure. and you support yeah. it, and you come alongside us, you are considered part of Israel. Yeah. And I only say that because Lot was the nephew. Yeah, of Abraham. Of Abraham. Yeah. So Abraham had a brother who had a son, Lot. Yeah. And Lot didn't have his father because his father passed away. So Abraham took Lot in as his nephew. So Lot is considered a descendant of Abraham because of his faith. Right. Not because of his dad. Right. That's right. But because of his uncle. That's right. Now check this out. Come on, somebody. So speaking of this. That's why you get the Moabites and the Ammonites today. That's right. As a matter of fact, Naphtali Bennett, the 13th prime minister, by the way. By the way. Is making some serious peace accords with Jordan, giving them extra water, giving them a deal. Very interesting. It is interesting. Think about it. Go back and look at the, why they should be at peace with that area. Yeah. Because God promised them, said, hey, listen. Well, I'm saying prophetically that's going to be theirs anyway. No, but I thought that was, that's just recently, <laughs> though. Recently that that's going down right now. Yeah. That we need to be at peace with Jordan. So speaking of what you're saying, there's a cross-reference in Romans chapter 9, right? Because when we're talking about God keeps his promises to these other groups, right? But right. that there's a group called Israel. And right. it says here in Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, uh, it says here, Not as though the word of God hath, not, hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So even just because they are children of Israel, right, of Jacob, doesn't mean that they're all Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So just because they're children of Abraham doesn't mean they're part of that promised seed, which is Isaac. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted, counted for the seed. seed. Right. So just as you mentioned, Lot is attaining to that promise, right? Because there's a promise. We attain to it. <coughs> therefore, we are. Yes. The promise in the Greek is epigelia. Epigelia. A divine assurance of good. All right, let's talk about the men of war. It's all yours. It is all mine. So all the men of war died in the wilderness. So this is the 603,000 people that I was talking about. 603,550 men. I'm that, pretty sure that's That I was numbers. talking about. I don't have my numbers. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at it. But it's, that's it. it. It's uh, it's a big number. It's a lot of people to bury. Now, if you were 19 years old and 11 months at the time I that know. this judgment was given, Boy, the, then you make it in, right? The, you make it in to the promised You're land. Hoping, yeah. So all of those people... Get my birthday mixed up. So think about this. Did you think about this? The oldest people, aside from Joshua and Caleb, I don't know how old they were. Nobody made it. But were 59 years old. Yeah. If you were 60, you, were, you died. So it was like you hit a wall, like a brick wall. Oh, gone. So... Interesting. The other question that I had, and, and I don't know that there's really, I'm sure there's scholarship on this, but I haven't read it, was about the age of the women and how that worked out. Was it over 20 for them as well? Because it's we're talking men of war over 20 had all died, and we know that for sure. But maybe there were women that were older, and they lived to a old age or whatever. But I thought about it, and I was like, you know, for 40 years, if somebody was, say, 50 years old going out of Egypt, then they'd have to be 90 going into the promised land as a, as a woman, if that were the case. So there's a good chance that a large swath of them died as well. So we're talking probably, you know, around about at least a million people dying in the wilderness. Yeah. I mean, now something to consider is this very interesting. And Jonathan Kahn makes mention, he thinks COVID-19, um, this particular virus worldwide is a result of uh, shedding of innocent blood, yeah. abortion, yeah. Uh, innocent blood. And he believes it was that generation that allowed these laws to be passed right. that God says, okay, this, this, this plague or this virus really affects the older generation because they're the ones most affected. Just mm -hmm. something to think about. We have established that. Yeah. If you're of a certain age, your chances of COVID are greater. Sure. And those, that's the largest group of people that were taken where that was that age group out of all the people that have died i would like to see the numbers of how many died of covid at this certain age yeah so it's just something to think about um i mean i i don't know what the exact statistics are but i've i've seen some statistics and it's overwhelmingly that older generation 
Um, I want to say that during the height of the pandemic, the average age of the person dying was something like 84. Average. So I mean, that's... I'm going to go back and look at those numbers because yeah. it's been a year. All right, let's continue on because now, you know, uh, Israel's on the march. They are. They're on the, the east side of the Jordan River. They can't mess with Moab or Edom. Yeah. So they're going to go north above the Dead Sea there. That's they're right. They're moving in. Passing through. So they encounter King Sihon of Heshbon, and he would not allow the children of Israel to pass through his land. So he was defeated. Because he was in the way. By Israel. He Just think he could have let him pass. He... I wonder have. why. I yeah. wonder if he could have let them pass, right? I mean, it doesn't say God says engage them, take them out. It right. doesn't, does it? Yep, and it says here in uh, verse 33, And the Lord our God delivered him before us, and we smote him and his sons and all his people, and we took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain until the so only. that's uh, Deuteronomy chapter two verses twenty six through thirty four. It says here, and I sent messengers out of the wilderness of Kedemoth unto Sion king of Heshbon with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through thy land. I will go along by the highway. I will neither turn into the right hand nor to the left. Thou shalt sell me meat for money that I may eat and give me water for money that I may drink. Only I will pass through on my feet. But Sion king of Heshbon would not let us pass by him. There you go. It's yeah. going to be a war then. Yeah, that's right. There's no getting around it. Now, uh, this is the east side of the Jordan, which is now Reuben and Gad territory. Half-tribe of Manasseh. And half-tribe of Manasseh. Exactly right. And so Israel took the cattle and the spoil of the cities. Now, there's going to be a kind of a repeat now uh, with the king of Bashan, King Og. We've got time to read. So let's check out Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Israel defeats Og. Ah, Here we go. I knew he was coming. I I need need Conan. (laughs) I need him now. I need Conan. He cannot stay quiet forever. Tell us what a real victory is, Conan. All right, let's do it. We... No. Oh. What's the real victory? Okay, what is... uh, No, no, no. What are the greatest thing in life? What are the greatest things in life, Conan? To crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. Wow. Yeah. No, it's great. That's a victory. (laughs) We might need that in the last days. That's literally a quote from Conan the Barbarian. We might need that in the last days. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here, let's start chapter three, verses uh, one one to eleven. eleven. We got time. All right. Then we turned and went up to the uh, up the way to Bashan and Og. The king of Bashan came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Idre. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand, and thou shalt do unto him as thou didst unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwell at Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og also the king of Bashan and all his people, and we smote him until none was left to him remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them. Three score cities, all the region of Argob and the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars, beside unwalled towns, a great many. And we utterly destroyed them as we did unto Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the cattle and the spoil of the cities we took for a prey to ourselves. And we took at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites the land that was on this side Jordan from the river of Arnon unto Mount Hermon, which Hermon, the, uh, the Sidonians, call Syrian, and the Amorites call Shanir. All the cities of the plain and all Gilead and all Bashan unto Salcha and Adre, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not of uh, Rabat of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof and four cubits the breadth thereof after the cubit of a man. Wow. Wow. So, what was the name of the second king that they defeated? King Og of Bashan. King Og of Bashan. Now, uh, King Og of Bashan and his, his kingdom had 60 cities. 
60 cities. So when I think about this, I think of a battle and I think, oh, the children of Israel went to war and then boom and then done. No, they went on a campaign taking 60 cities, right? That's a lot. I mean, even for my hand to go through, like, where's that at? It says right here <coughs> in, uh, uh, and we took all the cities. So verse four, and we took all the cities at that time. There were not a city, which we took not from them. Three score cities, all the region of Argob and the kingdom of Og in Bashan. So it's three score cities right here in uh, chapter three, verse four. Wow. <coughs> and it says that there are, you know, fortified cities. A lot of them had walls and, uh, fencing and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, Og was left over from the remnant of the Rephaim, the giants. Uh, you know, one of the questions came up, and I don't know if you know the answer to this because I don't know the answer to this, the difference between the Rephaim and the Nephilim, right? That would be an interesting study. Interesting. Um, yeah. I know the Nephilim are referenced in Genesis 6 as the offspring of the you know the sons of God and the daughters of men. So they think yeah. fallen angels. Rephaim is plural. and then Well, so is Nephilim. <coughs> right. And then, but Rephaim, meaning Definitely giants is always translated as giants, where sometimes the Nephilim, we kind of don't know how to translate that. It's what, it, it what is are interesting, they? interesting, you know. I know. <laughs> you know, the race of giants. And yeah. of course, we know that David has to finish them off. Yeah. You know, what happens is uh, they run into the, you know, the country of Israel or whatever. They run, they flee, they whatever. And they're finding all these, you know, places of them fleeing or migrating to, which yeah. is kind of interesting. And of course, uh, David has to go after them. Slay the giants. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Um, now, the giant was a big giant. I was in the sanctuary last night for our Bible study time, and I was just contemplating nine cubits in height was his bed, right? And four cubits was the well, breadth. Yeah, that's how wide so it was. So it's 14 and a half feet by about six feet, right? So 14 and a half, so we just 14 that's feet That's the bed. Right. Yeah, that's the size of his bed. But, Is that a California king? But like, no. I think about like how tall that would be. <clears throat> he would be taller than the, the ceiling in this room. And if, if you go into the sanctuary, fourteen feet. Think about fourteen feet. Yeah, fourteen feet. So think about that. Now extend that. Because I'm five nine. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I think you go up to his like his knee. <laughs> fourteen and a half feet is tall. That's the bed, but I'm saying let's well, just, imagine he's 14 let's feet. Let's just say he's 10 feet tall. Well, he's got two I, feet on the bottom. Give him at least end. 12 feet. He twice as nice tall as me. Store, he's got two feet on the bottom and two feet on the top. That's big. He's still 10 feet tall. That's more than they would have given That's him. That's higher than a rim on a basketball court. I'm thinking at least 13 feet tall. At least. Oh, my God. Maybe 13 and a half. And so, what a freak of nature. What a freak of nature. Exactly right. Now, can you imagine? Because literally the Israelites were like grasshoppers in his sight. You know, you think of what they, why they were fearful. You know, you see these giants, but you have to have faith that's bigger than 14 and a half feet tall, right? Because your God is bigger than 14 and a half feet tall. It's just a big guy. You know, I'll say this. We need to slay our giants on this side of the land. Yes. You know, it's just like David killed the lion and the bear. He knew he could slay the giant. So I believe we're facing the giants today. Oh, yeah. Somehow, some way. Something's cooking. Something's going down. Yeah. That we have to get to the place where we can slay the giants. Well, what's the key to slaying giants? You know, it's it's recognizing first of all what are the promises of God that I'm that I'm that I'm moving towards that I want. Yeah. And then what's holding me back? Yeah. What's what's actually keeping me from receiving what I need to receive? These are personal giants in our land. Right. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. So we have to stop and ask ourselves, you know, is it spiritual? Is it physical? Is it financial? Is it mental? Is it psychological? Whatever um, it is, yeah. God is bigger. That's right. You know, and, and I want to make it very clear as, as we get into these scriptures that God didn't tell them to go check out the land to see if they could take it. He wanted to show them that what they were getting, what the Hebrews say, the, the Hebrew context is they were tourists. Yeah. With like, you know, sunglasses and flip flops and shorts and Panama hats and just, <laughs> hey, you know, check it out, man. Look at this. This is so cool. Yeah. You know, so so I would say that if you love the land of Israel and you want to be there, there's nothing stopping you. God's gonna gonna make a way. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, there's a good song in uh, uh, Veggie Tales called "God Is Bigger Than the Boogeyman," 
And I just encourage you guys to go and look that up because it is encouraging, <laughs> to say the I least. I think he is. We have to have faith like a child. Because, you, you, know? Know, the, you know, the boogeyman doesn't exist. No, he doesn't. And neither do the Giants because so, they're not really that big. So continue on. All right, I'm going to keep going. You ready? Keep going. Because we do have obstacles that we will overcome. Mm-hmm. We're moving towards. Yep. That's what we're doing here at this church. All right, so here we go. What three tribes received their inheritance east of the Jordan? Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh. That's right. And I just want to tell everyone that if you want to go on our YouTube channel for Beitahila, look up Jeep Tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on the east side of the Galilee. That whole area is farm country, fruit trees. Uh, I'm not sure if it's mangoes or what exactly. That's half tribe of Manasseh territory. Yeah, so yeah. that whole right, right next to the Galilee down that area. That's the Jeep tour, just so you want to look at it and say, wow, that's the other side of the Galilee. Mm-hmm. It's very fertile, very you know, cattle-friendly, fruits growing, very fertile. Yeah. You know, Aaron, when he was here, did a great talk, and I believe those talks are on YouTube now, on our Bait to Healy YouTube channel. So look up Aaron Lipkin on there as well. Past, present, and future. He talks about the half-tribe of Manasseh and Reuben yeah. and Gad. Fascinating, fascinating theories. Yeah. Fascinating theories. I Makes really, you think. It really does. And so... Uh, did the three tribes have to cross the Jordan and help the other tribes fight in order that they could receive their inheritance as well? Yes. Now, when I first thought about this, I was like, man, that's not fair, right? I mean, why do they have to go in and fight for that? But guess what? Everybody just fought to get them their land. 60 cities from King Og, right? All the cities from uh, King Sihon. So all of that area has now been fought for by everybody together. And then you wait, you get to stay behind and just, you know, enjoy your farm life. I don't think so. You got to go in and help everybody else uh, take the land. Amen. Now, this is great. Who was going to fight for the children of Israel? It's going to be the heavyweight champ of the world. That's right, baby. Mike Tyson. (laughs) The Lord, your God, the undisputed champion of the universe, Yahweh right. Elohim. That's right, the Lord your God. That's right. Isn't that the truth? So yeah, here's the last good. verse of the Torah portion. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Amen. So if you're going after the things of God and you have the heart of God. Oh, yeah. That's why I would say those of you that are listening to this podcast, this is not an arrogance or pride or anything like that. But we believe that we have the heart of God. We've got God's heartbeat. We have a desire, at least, and to so have the heart so of God. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, but He has shown He has shown us His heart towards Israel and the Jewish people. Yes, Christians need to wake up. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. Who's going to stick up for the Jewish people? Right. That's right. So we've got some uh, a, a discussion question here for kind of the remainder of our time together, and the question is this: Why is it important to know how to do? spiritual warfare well i would say this we have to know our enemy so he doesn't have some secret weapon against us that we haven't seen before or that no man has experienced yeah he's going to use the same tactics that he used uh against uh adam and eve or against even the apostle peter Mm -hmm. you know don't get in the way of the promises of god don't get in the way of the purpose of god don't alter his purposes so, so we have to, to know that we're not battling flesh and blood. Uh, we have to know that we submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and then he'll flee from I us. I think that's one of our reference verses. So, yeah, I mean, we can get in all that. I I'm do. Just, I absolutely want. I'm, I'm so like. Let's go ahead and read some it. verses. What do you got there? So you want to do like uh, Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 17? Oh, yeah, I'm going for it. So uh, last night, Erica Joy. Um, who I believe she is a, a spirit-filled woman, and uh, you know I believe that she had some good things to say last night uh, to our group. And uh, one of the things that she said was that the enemy doesn't rest. He's not taking a day off. And so because he's not taking a day off um, and he's not resting, we have to be daily doing these things. That's that we're true. He doesn't right sleep. Now. That's right. And so here's what it says. We're going to start in, uh, this is Ephesians, which is, in the New Testament, because, <laughs> you know, it's the New Testament. I, was, I discovered the New Testament. Well, maybe it might be in the Apocrypha. <laughs> uh, so not. here we go. It's uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians, verses uh, 10 through, and I'm going to go all the way to 20. We've, we're in spiritual warfare right now. 
I'm going to go all the way to 20. So it says here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I'm going to read these last three verses here, all the way to 20. And it says this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching whereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Right? So we wanted to know one of the reasons, and I believe the, the answer key here is in those last three verses as to why why spiritual warfare is important because without understanding how to put on the armor of god for ourselves how are we going to have the utterance given to us that we can open our mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel now the enemy is structured oh, there's yeah. a hierarchy okay yes. so i just want to remind everyone we won't get into it but uh we've done uh, extensive studies on this uh there's four levels it's right here Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this present world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's four levels of evil. That's why you don't go up in there and poke it. The principalities up in there. The second heaven we call. Earth is the first heaven. Principalities and everything are all up in the second heaven. And then, of course, you have the third heaven. Ryan, have you noticed that nobody has ever died in space? past the ozone layer okay no one has passed away outside the ozone layer huh so there's something to that as they came into the ozone layer they died but uh, there's no record that i know of where Mm. they died outside the ozone layer. animals have definitely died well maybe they haven't i don't know because the ones that like they died on the way back in maybe i think yeah so so just something to think about now this is something else to think about this is the revelation i got and i've heard someone repeat it yeah the third heaven it's the kingdom now theology yeah Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I think the third heaven's coming down slowly but surely, making the second heaven smaller and smaller. Yeah. And it's pressing, pushing, in. pressing. Remember, he only has a short time when he comes down to the like earth. a pressure cooker, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, so there's more activity yeah, now yeah. than ever before because the the space is cramped. Yeah. So what else do you have for so me? So I've got another verse, James uh, four seven. Another. Yep. And I want to read the verses around it. You know, we always say keep reading, right? You gotta you gotta take everything in context, and it says here. Um, starting in verse six, it says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. We're going to see in the next verses, also in first Peter about humility as well. And it says, submit yourselves, therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the first key there, right? How do we do the spiritual warfare? Resist the devil first. Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. Give yourself to God. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, you can submit. I'll let you finish. Yeah. But you can submit to God, but not resist the devil, because you don't know his tactics. Interesting, yeah. Because I've had people tell me, well, I've submitted to God. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Okay. Now, what's your situation? Well, it's obvious that that person's being used of the enemy yeah. to get to you. And then you think, well, it's a family member, but it's being used of Satan yeah. to get to you. Just like when Peter says, oh, no, 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 you're not going to go down to Jerusalem and be crucified and died. Get behind me, Satan. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because he's altering the purpose. Right. People, even in ignorance, even with the enemy's help, will try to alter the purpose. That's why we get accused of replacement theology. That's why we, we have people say, well, you can't live in Israel because they're making all these accusations and these threats and these things trying to disrupt what God really wants. Right. 
That's right. So. Well, that's the tactic of the enemy is to is to lie. Um, so submit yourselves, to, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Which is important. Yes. Because he'll never leave you or forsake you. That, amen. But you did. You walked away from God. Correct. But he's still there. How many times do we have a hedge of protection around us? What are we doing us? every weekend here? We're drawing closer to God. And then we're like, oh, I'm going to walk outside of this hedge of protection. We're Not draw smart. closer to God. So draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So here's what happens, right? I, I once saw a movie uh, called The Devil's Advocate. And I don't necessarily recommend anybody else we go and watch that. This. Yeah, we have talked about it. I don't there but there's one illustrating point there's a there's a plot in it that I think is a good one. And so it's about an attorney and uh, most of the movie happens while he's having like a vision looking in the mirror in the bathroom. He's washing his face and his hands. He's got a decision to make, right? And so he makes one decision. Is this a spoiler? I'm going to spoil it because I don't recommend oh. you go and watch it. Well, so he goes all the way through the, all the movie is like, a, like I said, like a vision. You don't realize it's a vision at the time of him making the bad decision, the wrong decision and how the enemy, you know, the devil's there all that time. And then now he's too thick in with the enemy and he can't get away. Right. He can't get out. Well, at the end, it shows him like, oh, he wakes up from this vision, you know, as he's in the mirror washing his hands and stuff. And he goes out and he makes the right decision, having been given the vision. And as he's leaving the courtroom and everybody's like, you know, blowing him up, you know, the press is there. And so one of the press people is talking to him and, and giving him some kudos or whatever. And he puts a big smile on his face and starts getting a little, you know, like little feathers getting puffed up, you know. And uh, he walks away, right? And the press guy's face turns into the devil's face. And he says, pride, it's my favorite sin. And oh. it's just like, oh, you know, if he doesn't get you the one way, right? He, 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 he resolved that before he got around the block. Right. He's going to circle around the other way and try to get you. That's why one of the keys to spiritual warfare. And who's the father of pride? Is humility. The devil. The devil. And absolutely. He has children. The devil. All right. The last verses. Um, and I think we're okay on time. We are. We're good. First Peter five, eight through nine. All right. Five, eight through nine. And I want to read starting at verse five, right? Because this is this Let's is do it. this is a good key. So it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then I'm going to finish these last ones. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So, the key of these verses, again, was humility, right? Humbling ourselves because the enemy will use either afflictions, right? Or, right. or he'll use prosperity. Either way, he's working you into one direction or the other. Afflictions to make you turn away from God in anger, right? Or prosperity and, and pleasure to make you turn away from God in pride, puffing yourself up, right. amen? So uh, spiritual warfare is a big deal. I think it's important, uh, especially now, for us to be sober and vigilant because the adversary doesn't take a day off. He is roaming around like a lion, right. looking for whom he may devour. I was talking last night about the coyotes I have on my property. One of the things I've noticed is they're always going after the low-hanging fruit. They don't go after a big ram. They don't go after a big sheep or a donkey or anything like that. What do they go after? A chicken. A lamb. Why? Because they can grab it and run with it. They want the, the they don't want to fight, right? They don't want to scuffle. They just want to take something and run. And so what we need to be is is put on the armor of God so we're not easy prey. Right. So if we're doing the things, if we're doing spiritual exercises, reading our Bibles, praying, worshiping, right? Fellowshipping together, doing the things that God has called us to do, keeping our eye on Jesus, these things will make us strong in the spirit, right? 
It says that one of the um, one of the pieces of armor is the shield of faith. When our faith grows, right, our shield grows bigger. You can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Because the enemy's a liar. He's you throwing, want your you want your shield to grow. Right. He's throwing lies at you. Right. Right. And that that way that he works. Right. He's he's twisting the word of God. Did God really say? Or he's saying, right. Wait, you believe that? Wait, you. That's silliness, right? You believe you buy into that old, you know. Well, that's. I think the first step is to quit listening to his voices. Oh yes, of course. You know, my heavenly Father loves me and encourages me. And if I hear something like "You're not going to make it," "You're not good enough," I say, "You know what? I'm not a failure. I'm a success." Here's what I'm I know, a son of God. Here's what I know from experience, and that'll heal you of a yeah. respiratory. Problems. I think you taught me this: that if we are, when we are triggered by the enemy, when we know the enemy's coming at us, and we start to do godly things as as we're triggered right so we see the oppression coming we see the the stuff coming at us and then we love and we serve That's right we, we read our bibles evil. we worship evil for evil. we exclaim the name of yeshua we just, we just got mistreated yelled at right if we if we turn it around and we do godly things with that that those emotions that build up inside of us instead of taking the bait and going the enemy's route the enemy will quit messing with us because he's like i don't want this guy to go preach the gospel you know whenever i mess with him you know because then guess what then he's going to lose even bigger so he just will quit messing with because whenever you engage people you're going to engage challenges yes so what two lessons can be learned from the torah portion devarim or words and deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 1 all the way through chapter 3 and verse 22 from a consensus of ryan i mean you go first i want to hear yours i'm gonna go first yes that's fine. Yes. It's only those two chipmunks. <laughs> no, after here. No, here. No, here. All right, let's just do it. All right, already? Here's what I got. <laughs> and tell me if this is not appropriate <coughs> for today. Yeah. What did I get out of the very first Torah portion in Devarim, Deuteronomy? Number one, be under good leadership with integrity and vision. Number one. I agree. Number two, know the promises of God, do them, and do not alter them yes that's Those it are good Those i are mean good. that's oh boy if we could just keep with that man i'm looking for good leaders yes yeah all right so my first one had to do with leadership it says it's important to delegate leaders who are obedient to god's plan Ooh, right makes... it's one thing to have leadership skills right it's another thing to be obedient to god's plan that's and so good. if you can get like them that. together that's what i want you're in luck my second one uh came from uh erica joy the enemy doesn't take a day off we have to put on the whole armor of God every day to protect ourselves. And then her direct quote, don't let him live rent-free in your mind. Amen? That's like you said, don't, don't listen to the voices. Don't listen to don't the voices. To the That's voice. awesome. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. We got all that out of the first chapters in Deuteronomy. Look at that. Good, good time. Praise Less God. than an hour. Praise God. That's we, good We stuff. covered it. We did. This is it. I feel like I've run the race, you know? <laughs> all right let's pray this out father thank you thank you thank you lord we're so thankful for your words your devarim that we can get into your scriptures uh on a daily weekly basis god and that we can look around and see that in the current events happening in the world that nothing is new under the sun and we could take comfort that you have things under control that we can receive your peace through your Holy Spirit, and through the saving grace of your Son, Yeshua, who died on the cross for us, that we might be part of your family, God, and called to your purposes. And so we just thank you today for those things, and we lift you up on high where you belong in your rightful place because you're worthy and awesome. And so we thank you again in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.